0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the TCP Podcast. This is Tyler Clark with TC Performance, and I appreciate you guys for tuning back in. Usual reminder, please make sure to take a second, rate this thing, review this thing, leave some type of feedback, and share this thing with somebody else. Please and thank you. It goes a very long way. Thank you guys so much for doing that, if you are doing that. Now, for this week's episode, I'm excited because a big theme that I've been... Discussing and researching and implementing myself is a lot of sports psychology and the mental aspect of training and basketball in general. Right, I've just been diving a lot into mental, the spiritual, the mindfulness, the sports psychology, all that stuff, and tapping a lot more into the mental performance and the mental side of things in general. Especially right now, being in playoffs and postseason mode, um, a lot of the times. We're not able to get a lot better physically because we've done a lot of the work that already needs to be done physically, right? We've done all the skill development. We've done all the weight room work, the strength and conditioning. We're, we're not going to get a whole lot better physically overnight or within a week or even really two weeks. Recovery-wise, rehab-wise, we can make strides there potentially and we can feel better. Um, but we're not going to really develop too much skill or get too much stronger or faster or more explosive. So in postseason mode, the best thing that you can do for yourself or for your team or for your athletes is train mentally, train the brain, train the mental side of everything. Mental performance is going to absolutely help you. So I've been doing a lot of that myself. I've been implementing a lot of the mental performance side of things with my team and my athletes. And I've seen massive results from it. And actually this past weekend, my team just won their second conference championship in a row, back to back. We just won the YCC championship. And in all honesty, the past two, three weeks, we haven't done a bunch of super in-depth skill development. We've gotten our shots up. We've done some block practice. We've done some specific skill work here and there with individual guys. um, And then some rehab and recovery type modalities. But then it's been a lot, a lot, a lot of mental work, a lot of visualization, a lot of meditation, a lot of breath work, a lot of things that we're just training our brain, right? Like I'm not doing a bunch of physical work. I'm, I'm I'm not doing too much physically to kill them right now. I want them to be as fresh as possible. So I am applying recovery modalities and I'm doing very, very low impact skill development work. So some block practice, like I said, some specific skill work, maybe that we saw some stuff on a film. So we're just isolating that kind of stuff in postseason mode, but it's not going to be groundbreaking stuff. We're not killing our players. We're not doing anything to push them over the edge. Like I said, I want them to be as fresh as possible physically, and I want them to be as keen as possible mentally. So I say all this because our guest today, his name is John Giesbreck, and he's all about mindfulness and implementing mindfulness into the game of basketball and skill development and player development and team settings in private settings wherever you're at you can implement mindfulness in a basketball setting and John touches on all that he touches on mindfulness what what exactly that is he has three buckets of mindfulness he talks a little bit about implementing it with individual athletes and then potentially implementing it with teams or larger groups and then we talk about some specific concepts that I'm not going to get into a bunch right now because I want you guys to hear it from John himself Um, and I think they're really really important topics as a player, coach, general athlete, parent, whatever it is, whoever you are listening to this, whatever your role or position is, it's important stuff. And the mental slash mindfulness aspect of training and basketball and sports in general is something that we don't tap into it. And I'm super excited that I got John on because he obviously provides his own perspective and his own insight. And not a lot of people have the insight that he does. So John, I appreciate you. And without further ado, John Giesbred. All right, welcome back everybody. TCP podcast appreciate everybody for coming back. Um today super excited for the guest. Um I actually do not know how to pronounce your last name. John and then how do you pronounce your last name?
1: Yeah, I got you brother. It's uh, John Geisbreck.
0: Geisbreck. Okay. So yeah, John yeah. Geisbreck, um appreciate you for coming on. Super excited. Today is all about mindfulness, um how to implement it into basketball. Um John, it's phenomenal stuff that I've seen on social media, coaches clinics. Really, really good stuff. Um, before we get into everything, could you just give a little bit of information about who you are, um, kind of how you came to your philosophies currently and kind of what you're doing?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been like an ongoing uh, trip the last 10 years of, of, of really experimenting, you know, figuring out what I like, what I don't like. Uh, as we talked about before the start of this podcast, just really saying yes to every basketball opportunity that came my way. And uh, then at the same time, kind of moving away from the technical and tactical side for a bit, uh, especially during COVID, uh, that kind of gave me a little bit more time to break away from it and get into different books. And I started to look into, you know, spirituality. I started to get into uh, sports psychology. And and pretty much what happened was I was just having conversations with the athletes, like the university uh, athletes, and it seemed like they were... Pretty open and receptive to the conversations we were having, and that that really started um, this this journey. The last few years of, of diving totally into the deep end and figuring out how I could start to uh, take these concepts and, and apply it uh, not only off the floor, as I mentioned with these conversations, but more so in in a in a player development
0: context. Perfect. Yeah. No, I know you. It's um, it's interesting kind of when you're in the moment, um, you don't realize that these are things that are teaching you and, and molding you into the vision that you were talking about, kind of what you have now, um, how impactful that moment is right then and there and how that's going to shape you and, and guide you towards the vision that you actually have currently or that you're leading yourself towards. Um, so I appreciate you sharing a little bit about your story and kind of how you got there. Um, first thing I want to talk about is mindfulness in general. So how, what exactly is that to you and how do you, how do you define mindfulness? Yeah, I think it's, it's
1: three buckets or three pillars that, that I try to focus on and they all, they're all interrelated and, and, and concepts can be transferred back and forth. The The first concept, I think where you start is you need a. A basic level of understanding and understanding of, of who you are, um, and, and your surroundings, your environment, and then as you develop this understanding, uh, this awareness, this non judgmental awareness, just being able to sit and, and be with what is, I think you start to move into attention. And attention, you get to a point where you recognize that there's all this stuff going on, but you can decide where your attention is going to go you know you you decide that you're not going to get wrapped up in in all the chaos and, and all all the stuff that can distract you but the things that are helpful and that move you forward and then the third pillar or the third bucket is assertive action so it's it's understanding that there's there's a difference between thinking planning and action you know thinking planning is great, you know, and it it serves us. Um but I think a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of basketball players especially overthink, you know, and it's 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 too much. And so I think if we can start to recognize that we've we've confused thinking and act thinking in action as the same thing, um we, we can really take steps with our development.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, action speak louder than words is something that people throw around all the time. Um, It's easy to say that you're going to do something and even think that you're going to do something, but actually just taking action is, is obviously the more impactful thing. Um, I had Shay Frazee on the podcast probably a month ago now. um, And he talked about confidence, um, kind of his perspective on confidence and building confidence and taking action was one of his five uh, pillars. And it it rings true. Just taking action can be, can be very powerful. Um, so to go off of that, excuse me, um, how do you implement mindfulness in your sessions with your, with your athletes? Um, what are some tactics maybe, what are some strategies? How do you, like, what is your, what is your first approach to kind of mindfulness? Cause I, I'm understanding that, you know, for a player, for even a coach, if you're helping a coach implement this with their own team, that might be kind of like, what do you mean by mindfulness? This is potentially woo woo or kind of a weird approach to basketball because we're not always implementing uh, mindfulness to basketball. But how, what is your approach to implementing that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the first things that we have to do is we have to help the players get to know themselves and, and get to know their games. So back in the day, You know, when I was just starting out as a player development coach, I used to you know, do sessions at a time, you know, people could buy a session or they could buy three sessions at a time in a package and I'd have no context whatsoever. I wouldn't even know who the player is and and know what they're about, you know, know what what's important to them and what they were working on. And we would just kind of jump into the workout and I would show them some things and You know, it would be good vibes and good energy and and I'd be as helpful as I could in that moment. But at the end of the day, like, how was I actually helping them get better? You know, because for everybody, as you know, like it's everybody's in a different situation. Everybody's got different strengths. Everybody's got different non-strengths. So what I do with my program is, and I worked on this for about three, four months, I put together a journal and a curriculum Uh, and it's it's very similar to uh it's not very similar but there's concepts taken from it it's uh, jordan peterson's uh self-authoring program so pretty much i just reverse engineered that and i've added a bunch of stuff and, and made it for basketball players and they start to go through that and um really get clear and 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 then I sit back and I facilitate and then I just ask questions and I see if they can be more specific. And I just probe and I probe. And then we eventually figure out, you know, we call it the MIT. What's the most important thing that, you know, is going to have the highest return of interest for your time, your energy. And and then ultimately then we then we define it. Then we we look at the key performance indicators and really get specific and and make sure that whatever you put in your plan, your one-page plan, it carries a lot of meaning. So my point is, th- th- there's two main points. The first point is, there's a lot of pre-work that happens before we just dive into mindfulness on the floor. We need we need to have some kind of context uh, for the player situation. And then the second thing I'd recommend, because th- th- I've had so many coaches come to me and say, you know, I want to implement mindfulness. I want to help my players, but at the end of the day, like you have to be a model for all this stuff. Like you need to learn how to regulate. You need to learn how to get still. Um, you need to, you know, shift your attention on the things that are helpful to you and your team. And if you haven't already went through that process yourself, I mean, again, there's going to be certain strategies that, that may be helpful for sure. And, and I think something is better than, than nothing, even if it's five minutes a day. But the players tune into your behaviors as a coach. Right? So if, if if you're not on top of your stuff, if you're not organized, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not disciplined, how are they going to buy into mindfulness? How are they going to buy into anything that you have to say? So that's that's the first the first place that, it, that I'd recommend people starting. Um then I think well, if, if I look at a session that we'd have, that, you know, we we want to try to take the first five minutes to help the athletes get into a routine that helps them come to a place where they're going to be receptive to the information. They're going to be able to, you know, just just have their minds be available uh, to whatever we're going to teach them. So we get into a routine and we'll switch it up from time to time. But the, the main concept is, you know, finding stillness. Um, and f- as Phil Jackson says, you, you find this, this quiet place within you. And that could be just following your breath, right? Following the rise and the fall of your breath. Um, using your breath as an anchor. That's one concept that we might use. Anchoring yourself, grounding yourself um, in the present moment. You know, feeling points of contact. Uh, recognizing sniff- uh, stiffness in your body, you know. Um, and not trying to do anything about it, but just just being really aware of, of what's going on, uh, you know. And then and then the next thing you, you got to think about, I think, if you want to try to implement mindfulness, is what what interventions are you going to put in place to work on the things that the players mentioned within their planning, right? So if you notice that you've got a bunch of players that get frustrated quite a bit, you know, they start missing shots. Uh, you know, you might put them in situations where they're going to miss shots and you're going to stress test them. And then as they went through the work, as they went through the journaling, they've identified what's helpful, you're going to put in, uh, you're going to have conversations about specific strategies that they can, they can apply. Um, And then the last, I think the last part of it is then, okay, now when you finish your practice, uh, you know, how do you, how do you detach? You know, how are you able to move on to what, what's next, you know, and, and, and let go of, of everything that just happened, you know, cause this is an ongoing, an ongoing process, man. And everything, you know, everything is changing every moment. So I, I would say that that's, that's where I'd start. I know that was long-winded. Um, but I just wanted to give you as much as I could with, with our process at least.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. I don't think that's too much at all, but I, I, I want to key in on the kind of the last part that you mentioned, um, detaching afterwards. Um, that's something that I've talked about a lot whenever it comes to kind of channeling more confidence, um, on the court and just as a basketball player, um, it's kind of detaching and and de-identifying with the game of basketball. Um, and kind of, I, I feel like that's a similar concept, um, I saw you post actually. I forget the exact phrase or, or words that you said, but you basically said, "Can you?" I think it was, "Can you be completely involved, um, but unattached?" Something like that. Yeah. Um, what exactly do you mean by that, and how do you get to that point?
1: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing I heard on a podcast. Uh, one of my favorite teachers, like spiritual teachers, I've mentioned many times, is uh, Ramdas. So he's he died a few years ago, but. He's legendary for, for, you know, having these lectures um, that happened from, I guess, 60s, 70s, 80s. And, and he was a psychologist and ended up experimenting with psychedelics. And he's, he's pretty out there. Um, and, and I heard that from him. But I would say uh, to get to that place, it's kind of a funky place because I was thinking about that for myself. I'm like, dang, like, am I am I doing this right now? Like, am I experiencing this? Like what I'm talking about, you know, to be totally involved, but unattached. And uh, I think, I don't know if you can be there all the time, you know, because it's part of the mindfulness practice. Like I mentioned, is, is that awareness and it's catching yourself and bringing yourself back to your center of who you are. Because a lot of times we get, Pulled out in all these different directions, you know, whether we're trying to, you know, seek approval from other people, or, you know, we get caught up in, in, uh, you know, materialistic ideas, um, and, so, so for me, what that means is, I'm here, you know, I'm in the here and now, I'm present to the moment, um, and I, and I can be the witness, you know, I can be the observer, you know, as, as things come, come up, you know, whether that means different thoughts come in and out of my mind or, you know, I I start to feel things, you know, I have feelings and and I can, I can be with those feelings, but I'm just not taken away. You know, like they talk about a lot of different mindfulness and meditation practices. It's like you're sitting on the sidewalk and you're watching the parade go by, you know, and you can be totally involved in the parade by taking in the experience, uh, but you don't start, jumping into the parade and going down the street with the parade, you know, you can just see it for what it is and appreciate it. Um, but not take, taking off your spot, you know, you can hold your spot and, and just, just be where you are, you know? So I, I would say like, like we can go at this from different, many different ways. Um, but if, if you think about it as a bat, you know, from a basketball context, uh, as a player, you know, you're in the game. You're present to the game. Um, you might you might feel frustration at times, and, and those feelings aren't ba- those feelings aren't bad. I think that's the other thing is we think feelings are good and bad. Um, but frustration, anger, sadness, those things are going to come up, and you can involve yourself in those emotions, and, and you can feel it. But if if you hold on to those things, or you resist them, and and you push them away, I think that's where these attachments come up, you know, and that's where you can really be taken off your center. And by center, I mean, it, it's, it's the core of who you are. You know, we, we talk a lot about, about core confidence. You know, there's like this surface level confidence where it's like riding the roller coaster. It's it's, it's the highs and the lows, um, you know, the praise, the criticism, you know, all these things move people all the time. Um, but when you come from the core, you know, you know who you are, you know, you know what you're about, you know, what you value, what's important to you. And that's, again, why we do all the journaling um, stuff. You know, we take time to to, to develop that self-awareness um, because when you have that, people, events, things outside of you don't move you as much as they used to.
0: For sure. And you touched on feelings a little bit. And obviously, I, I'm glad that you brought up like you feeling like they're still going to happen and it's okay to feel things. Um, but it's whenever you potentially maybe attach to those feelings, like if you're angry or if you lose and you're super, super upset, or if you're somebody that struggles with, uh, moving on to the next play, so to speak in the moment, um, maybe there's a bad call or something and you're being overwhelmed with that emotion, with that, with that feeling. Maybe that's when there's something that we can work on and improve. Um, Uh, the concept of self-talk is, is used a lot. Um, what is your opinion on that? Do you use self-talk at all? Um, positively, negatively, I've, I've read about, you know, negative self-talk is obviously known to be destructive, but also positive self-talk isn't necessarily the correct answer at all times either. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your opinions on self-talk?
1: Well, first, before I talk about self-talk, I just want to say quickly with feelings, I mean, the the one thing that's really important and what I've seen uh, with, uni- like, the university players I was working with a few years ago, um, and, and all players, really, but there was some specific examples. Like, if, if you identify as an angry person, like, you believe that's who you are, that's what I mean in terms of the attachment. Like, you, that's where it takes you in this place. And and, and pretty much then you're, you're looking... the world and and looking for a place to be angry you know but if you can recognize that like we talked about these emotions or signals um they can actually be very helpful like anger is great in terms of establishing boundaries or establishing um you know what what you want to expect from others or what you expect about an experience and then you can evaluate that as things trigger you um but going going to self-talk i feel the, the big thing, the big thing at the end of the day, is number one: you got to figure out what's helpful for you. You know, so it, I, I totally agree. Self-talk is important, but in terms of having like specific strategies around, let's say mantras or whatever else. You know, if you feel like that help that's helpful, or you're open to trying that, you know, that's great, um, and that's that's something that should be considered in your process and the strategies that you use to bring yourself back to where you need to be. Um, and then I'd say, totally. I think that the most important conversation that you have with yourself is 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 um, or sorry, the most important conversation that you have is is the one that you have with yourself. So, starting to to get you know get still and, and get quiet and 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 that's why I'm so big in the meditation is when you do that, these these thoughts come up. You know, you start to uncover some of the blind spots, some of the the subconscious chatter that, that's always running. Um, so, what we can do is, I think the first thing is when you are experiencing a lot of negative self talk, the key is just to be with it. You know, the key is to be with it. Um, I think if if I try to sit there and and you know be positive or Mister Positive. Um, from where I'm standing from what I've experienced I feel like you're resisting it I think in in a way you almost want to kind of be with it and just be able to step back and and see it for what it is and see that these are just thoughts Um, we talk about trump cards a lot you know these are these are thoughts that are coming into your mind um, that are trying to keep you safe right and they're, they're trying to keep you in homeostasis and in a place of, of comfort. So anytime you, you have these, these really disturbing uh, discouraging thoughts that come into your mind, I I just, I just see that as, man, I'm just growing right now. You know, I'm really pushing through, I'm, I'm I'm diving into the unknown and this is a good place to be, you know, so I'll be with those thoughts. Sometimes I'll say, uh, you know, tell me more, you know, and I'll, and I'll take a, a back seat for a second Um. And then once once I, I just start to listen and I just develop this relationship with that, you know, with those thoughts, and I just find they, they dissipate. You know, but but it's the classic line of what you resist is going to persist. So if I if I really push against it, and I and I like I said I try to be that Mr. Positive Man, it, I just I'm investing into it almost. I almost feel it, it gets heavier. So I don't know if that if that resonates or if that if anything aligns, but um at least that's where I'm at with it now. You know, that's what I, I I like just going through my own process. That's what I try to keep in mind,
0: you know, as I'm going through it. No, I think you put it perfectly. Um, it's not like there's a one shoe or one size fits all. Um everybody needs to be positive part positive, of positively positive self-talking to themselves and You know, like maybe that is the correct answer for some people, but I I, I like that you put a different perspective that I don't think is talked about a bunch Um, and just being and sitting with that negativity, for example, that's a scary thing. Um, And that's, that's a thing that, you know, not a lot of individuals want to do in general is just sit with it because like you said, like the immediate solution in that moment is to fix it. Is to figure out like like how, how can I fix that negativity, um, and usually that results in some type of positive self talk or being overly overly positive, and um, that may work sometimes. Overcorrecting
1: but- your impulse, you're right. overcorrecting, and then you come from a place of, of neediness, of desperation, and think about your life every time you've been needy, um, you've been desperate in anything, basketball, in in you know your social life. What what have other people done? What, what what's happened? You know, that everybody's pushed you away or cast you aside. But if you can be with it, um that's to me, like you define a breakthrough. That's really where you break through. Right. When you can when you can be with like the heaviness and, and, and some of the negativity that comes with it as you're trying to figure things out. But a lot of people, like you said, don't want to do it. They want to fix it right away or they wanna, they're gonna regress back to behaviors that have kept them safe in the past um so but but yeah if you can get more conscious and just catch yourself and catch yourself uh i i just think that's that's where that's where the that's where you want to be not all the time obviously because it can get (laughs) you know maybe a little bit too chaotic but that that's a good place to be if you're you're a player that's trying to get better
0: for sure and um where where i'm at right now with the season is we we just won our first playoff game, so we're we're getting into our final four. Um, so obviously important games, any games when you're in the playoffs are important. But what I've been preaching a bunch is, you know, we're, we're not going to get better physically too much at least. Um, we're not going to improve our skill drastically at this point in the year. So like, what's going to separate us from our opponent is 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 right here is what we all have, and how can we develop ourselves mentally and be prepared for? The chaos and for the 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 war so to speak that we're about to enter um and a big thing that i've been preaching is you know judge less and observe more and just be in the moment um if you just observe what's going on then you can you can understand from a different lens you know what's the best solution with, with a clear mind so i i i love it i love your perspective there
1: yeah and it and I had the, the same conversation with a, a pro player the other day, like one of our, our pro clients. And it's like, it, it's crazy and as chaotic as it can be right now. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks, you're going to be planning, you're going to be evaluating, reflecting, whatever, whatever. Um, but don't get ahead of yourself. Because, you know, one of the things he was telling me is, well, sometimes I get ahead of, I got to get better. I got to plan. I got to do this. It's Like, no, dude, just, just be where you are. You know, just be where you are in this moment because this is where uh, you're going to grow. You know, when your back's up against the wall, um, this is your meditation. You know, you can you can go home and you can go sit in your room and you can bring out your cushion and, and meditate and try to figure things out. Um, and sometimes that's helpful. But right now, in this moment, when you're going through it, when you're in it, when people are being difficult, this this is where it's at.
0: Absolutely. Have you just curious? Have you read the the book, The Power of Now? You know what, dude? I I someone gave it to me about
1: ten years ago, and I was twenty at the time, and I I wasn't ready for it. Um, I went through some of the notes a few times. Like I I listened to um the author on YouTube, mm-hmm. um speak, but I ha- I haven't read The Power of Now. Like really dived into it and read it. I haven't. But I yeah. everybody tells me that I got to read it.
0: Yeah. No. I mean based on your perspective and, and what you're talking about, I think that you would like it a lot. Um, re- Really good book. And it, it talks about a lot of that kind of stuff. Very, very spiritual outlook on basically being present and how to do that. So just was curious, but it's funny that you talk about a lot of this stuff and a lot of the same things, similar concepts are in that book. All right. So um, in the coaching clinic video that I watched uh, recently, you, you, a lot of the strategies and tactics you talk about is, um, breath work. And I think that it's super, super powerful. Um, I try to use it myself. I try to implement it as much as I can, um, with, with my athletes. And, uh, I forget where I saw it and I don't even know if this is actually accurate, but something came up basically about, uh, Steph Curry. And somebody said that during timeouts, he, he breathes basically. I don't know what type of breathing, um, but he's able to, Downregulate and drop his heart rate drastically um, just within a a timeout, and that obviously helps him play to the caliber that he plays. They put out a ridiculous number, like from like one seventy BPM, his heart rate down to like eighty or ninety. Which I don't know if that's accurate. That's a pretty massive reduction in thirty to (laughs) thirty seconds to a minute. Um, Maybe Mm -hmm. it's real. I'm not sure, but similar to that concept what are some tactics that you use potentially in game um or in a session to downregulate
1: yeah the, the concept that we come back to the most and it's one that i talked about in um in the clinic and it's from uh Brian McKenzie uh, so you can search him up on instagram he's he's probably he's amazing um, there's a few other people Emily hightower is really good too um, she's actually going to be presenting in one of our masterclass calls so I'm really excited for that um, but it, it's called the concept is called the gears of breathing um, or the breathing gears and and pretty much it just starts to teach you how to how to down regulate because there's a lot of times where uh, hyperventilating or we're, we're over breathing and the overbreathing doesn't match the physical exertion rate right so i had i remember there was a player that was coming off an acl injury and we were just starting to get them back on the floor and i know their conditioning wasn't you know supreme or you know like amazing because they they hadn't been doing a lot um but just in how they were moving they were just always heavy heavy mouth breathing and it it never seemed like they were able to, to breathe through their nose so what we started to do was at their own at their own time, you know you we talk about so gears of breathing. Gear five would essentially be breathing in and out your mouth, um, and then you start to get to gear four. You start to gear down by getting to a nasal breath. So all you want to do is you want to breathe in through your nose, and then just out, out your mouth, and then eventually just start to slow it down even more. You start to extend your exhale, um, and then gear three you go from through your nose. You add a pause. And it's the same thing. You're extending your exhale, and by extending your exhale, um, every time you exhale, your heart rate's going to drop. Right? Every time you inhale, your heart rate rises. Um, so if you focus on the exhalation, you're going to get it. You're going to start to get a drop. Um, so from gear three, you go to gear two, and that's just going to be exclusive nasal breathing. So in through the nose, out through the nose, and then gear one is is more like breathing patterns, like the classic one that everybody knows about or most people, um, if you're into this kind of stuff is the box breathing, right? And that's just in for four, pause for four, out for four, pause for four. And you repeat that. And if you can effectively box breathe and and keep that count, then you're, you're successfully in gear one. The challenge is when you're, when you're brand new to nasal breathing, it's, it's pretty uncomfortable. Um, Like for me, my whole life. I was a mouth breather. I was very asthmatic. Um, and it took me, I'd say as I went through it and, and trained it, I'd say six weeks to get comfortable with nasal breathing. And that was including like the mouth taping at night because a lot of people, what they don't recognize is it's not only just the, the breathing when you're performing, but it's the breathing during wakefulness, you know, like throughout the day. Um, And and I've seen so many athletes, like I had an athlete at a session a few weeks ago that had a panic attack um, during our workout and we weren't doing anything crazy. It was just one-on-one. They were struggling a bit and, you know, within a few possessions, they went through a panic attack and I had to, you know, stop our workout and, but, you know, talking to that athlete, they'd been sick for a couple of days, their nose was blocked, they were constantly mouth-breathing. As you mouth breathe, again, if you know this stuff, you know that you start activating your fight or flight. Right. So they're constantly in fight or flight all day long. And then they come to our workout, and now it's even more intense. And now, you know, it's starting, you know, then, then they get into a panic attack. So I had to help her um, you know, come back, not come not come back to normal, but just just help her regulate and 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 come back to to more of a calm, calm space. And it wasn't like a a massive panic attack, but it was significant enough where we had to stop what we were doing um so my point is like I, i'm starting to rant and, and and go all over the place but i'd say if you want to start somewhere start with the gears of breathing you can find a link on youtube and I, what i would do is you know as you take breaks between your drills instead of just going and getting water or just shooting free throws between drills just use the gears of breathing just start to um allow the players at their own pace to go through the gears. And, and, the, and the key with that is to go at their own pace because, if, like I mentioned, if you just try to go from pretty much hyperventilating and then slow and steady through your nose, you know, you, you induce anxiety, you know. Um, and it was when I first got into this, when I first got into mindfulness and we were talking about breathing, there were specific players that I, I had coached and we said, you know, like, let's just try to slow it down. And they've been, you know, again, sprinting up and down the floor in a, you know, going for it, playing super hard. And then they'd come to the bench and they'd try to just like breathe slow and breathe out. And they're like, it's not working. (laughs) Like they start freaking out even more, you know? Um, So you have to really honor the gears by going at your own pace until you said maybe, I don't know um, what you said, it was a minute or whatever with Steph Curry, but eventually yeah it does improve when you when you work at it
0: yeah no w- whenever you brought up the uh the gears of breathing and in, in the clinic it it was interesting because i didn't know that uh format um mm-hmm. i had worked on nasal breathing myself a lot belly breathing um i'm familiar with like the mouth taping and um you also brought up a concept where basically you inhale through like the left nostril exhale through the right um switching up that kind of variation of breathing through the, the, uh, the nose familiar with all that, but I wasn't familiar with the gears of breathing. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, especially for like sports in general, because if you come off, you can't just downregulate or switch down to gear one, for example. Um, because like mm-hmm. you said, it's just, it's going to create like unwanted anxiety and just, it's not going to work because you're trying to downregulate too quickly. So understanding where you are in that, in the gears, depending on like, like contextual to the game and session or where, whatever you're doing um, is important. Cause if you're at gear four and you're not at gear five, then you should probably try to get to gear three and then two and then one. Um, and then maybe whenever you get really, really good, you can go from a gear five to a gear three immediately or something like that, but it takes work obviously. Um, but I, I, I like that strategy and I like the tactic. Um, I'm definitely going to start implementing that with myself and and definitely with my, with my athletes, I think it would be good to, to try out, um, but i know it's 3 30 so i I don't want to keep you too much longer i want to be respectful of your time so Mm. john i appreciate you if there's any uh last words that you want to you know tell the audience uh where they can find you um all that kind of good stuff yeah brother
1: well i I appreciate you having me man like i i said to you uh, i like i like the energy you're putting behind this because you seem like someone that's really intentional and you know and present, you know, in this conversation, it's, it's really cool. So I, I feel like you're going to go really far, and not only just with player development, like I don't know your player development stuff, but your podcasting game's tight, bro. And I, I just appreciate you having me on. Um, in terms of connecting with me, the best way is just Instagram at the moment. So if people hit me up, at playfreebball, and, and uh, you know, you can send me a message. Uh, we can connect that way. But
0: yeah, thanks again for having me, man. I appreciate it for sure i i appreciate your time a lot and i appreciate the kind words um i would definitely like to stay in contact and and connect some more if if possible on a a different date
1: yes sir of course yeah let's do it man
0: awesome yeah john I, i appreciate you man